This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Um, we are in a series, and as we continue in this series, uh, just a uh, show of hands, how many of you would say that you're the primary grocery uh, person? You're the person who goes and gets groceries in your home. You're that person, you go get them. You're that primary. Um, some people aren't raising their hands. Um, do you get groceries? How does that, okay, maybe, or, you know, some of us are like, I'm, of course I do. I mean, it's me, so I get my own grocery. That's the way it works, and that's, that's its case. Um, if I were sitting where you were, um, I would definitely not be raising my hand. I, I don't fall in that category. Um, we, we learned a, whole, a long time ago that if we actually wanted food to eat within our budget, um, I should not be that guy going out to get food. We, we learned that a long time ago. My wife is amazing um, at, at this whole genre. Um, she goes out and she like goes to like three different stores to find the right price. She will even like not get the $25 block of cheese when um, it costs that much. She will wait for it. Where I go in, I see cheese, I'm buying cheese. I want cheese. And so it's just a different mentality. So we, we have completely different goals when we go shopping. Um, my wife goes in to get the best deal to make sure we stay within budget. My goal is to get in and out as fast as possible. I mean, we have goals that are just different. And so um, you, you would, it, it wouldn't be beyond me um, if, for you to hear sometimes when we go to Safeway for me to say to the boys, think we can do this in five minutes? You think we can get it done? <laughs> like, like, we're going to get in, get out, get the, the, the check itself, check out, and we're out of here. Like, that's just the way that I'm wired, the way that I roll. And so, uh, praise God for my wife who actually allows us to have real food on the table. And so, you can imagine what it was like uh, for me when, um, during the height of the pandemic, um, I got tapped to go to Costco uh, to go get a few items. And so, um, if you haven't been to Costco, the way that Costco works is you, you start in on the right side, and um, you make your way usually all the way to the back of the place. You cut left and go over to get stuff to the back of the store. And then you cut left again and you make your way forward to the checkout stand. So that's the way Costco has it laid out. They make sure you go through every single aisle possible in order to get through the place. And, uh, and so I went in. And it was already a madhouse to get in. This was like in the middle of the pandemic, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. It was a madhouse to get in. And I finally get in, and we're making our way through. And, and as you go down the left, there's, there's, there was the toilet paper aisle. It was like WWE going on over in the island. People are like <laughs> taking 10 paces, shooting one another. Like, I'm getting my, my toilet. Like, all right, you guys do you, you know, <laughs> have fun. So we get through, keep cutting through, get some of the stuff. And I make my way. I cut left. And I make my way from the back of the store, and as I'm getting towards the corner, I see the line starts at the back of Costco. It was backed up that far. I mean, people were everywhere in this place. I go, you've got to be kidding me. So I hop in line, and I turn on a movie, because I know... It's going to be a while, so so I'm just like slowly making my way forward like this is the thing that I try to avoid my entire life, and here I am in the midst of it. And and as we get closer to the front of the line, we're slowly inching, um, there's a guy in front of me, and he he gives me this kind of knowing look. He looks back at me, and then he takes off to the left. And over on the left, as you get closer, there's like, there's, there's like clothing centers that are set up. So they're like clothing displays, and they're kind of put all over the place, and they block the view of, of everything that's beyond the clothes. And so he takes off left after looking at me. I'm like, oh, baby, 
you're done now. Like that line is long. Like I hope you really needed that clothing, whatever it is you needed. But he cuts left, and, and I don't see him again. And I'm thinking, could it be? Could it be? And so I'm pondering for a moment, is this, is this man a good man? Did I see a good guy? Who is this thing? I'm doing it. And I took off to the left and I cut through all of the, the clothing. And as I take off, I feel like a, a running back kind of going through all the lanes, cutting through. And I get to the front and there's the guy starting to check it out the end. And you know what I saw? Only two carts in front of me when I got to the far left. And I was like, yes, <laughs> touchdown. We did it. And to cap it off, you know what was sitting right in front of me, just sitting right in front of the, the, the checkout lane? Toilet paper. <laughs> so I, he's like, nobody wanted it. So I got to get the toilet paper. I got out and I looked at the guy just like, thank you. Thank you so much. And so if you are watching today, I don't know who you are, but I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, changing my life that day. I appreciate it. You can pass that out to the interwebs. It, it was a game changer. There is something about being able to see other people, have other people lead us, people to speak into our life, to show us the, the way forward, isn't it? I appreciate that guy for doing that. And I know for some of us, it might not be grocery stores, it might not be that shopping experience, but some of us have had somebody come along in our life, haven't we? We've had people who have helped us when we're in the midst of a, of a project at home we need help with, and somebody has come and helped us along. Maybe some of us are trying to figure out a job situation. Somebody came along and helped us figure out what our next move was going to be. Some of us might find ourselves in a spot where you're just parenting. You're like, I don't know what to do next. I'm pulling my hair out. What do I do? And somebody stepped in and gave you that piece of advice that just helped you to move forward. We all have people in our lives that help us move forward. And it makes such a huge difference. But the world, as it continues to shift and change, where we go to, the options that we have for resources like that, it's changing. I mean, for many of us, the, the, our go-to nowadays, the way that we find answers, the way that we move forward is we, we pull out our phones, we look on Wikipedia, we go, get on social media, and we get like an aggregate of what everybody else is saying. And as we put that all together, that becomes our way of navigating the world. That becomes our advice. And if we actually want to see somebody face-to-face, -face, if we want flesh and blood, then we usually hire somebody to be our therapist or hire somebody to be a professional coach. Now, I am a, a counselor, so I don't want to just bag out my own kind. But I have to ask the question, like, what did people do 30 years ago? Like, how did we, how did we live? Somehow, people were able to move forward in life relationships were built, people were able to be moving towards the thing that God has in store for us. How did that work? Well, I think there's something that's been lost that needs to be recovered. And part of that is why we are in this series of Philemon, where we're talking about the healing of broken relationships. See, that's why I bring it up today. Josiah started the series last week. If you're just joining us for the first time, Josiah started last week, and he did a great job, didn't he? I mean, just nailed it on this whole idea of, of loving people. We see this as Paul is writing. This, the basis for us as believers is that we start with love. We live from a place of love. And then, then today, we're going to pick up the conversation to be looking at how it is that we can be propelling people forward, helping people see a bigger picture, because it's vital for us as a people of God to know how to do that and to step into it to do it. Because when we don't, we forfeit that role as believers to propel people forward, 
But we also end up missing out on opportunities if we don't receive what people are trying to offer us within the kingdom of God. And that's exactly where Philemon found himself. He found himself in a spot where he would have missed out on something if he had not received the goodness that was being offered to him. Philemon, if we're not familiar with the story, basically it's this. Philemon was a guy who was a Roman citizen, well-to-do. And somewhere along the way, Philemon met this guy named Paul. And Paul was a devout follower of Jesus. And as he spent time with, with, together, Philemon started to follow Jesus. And this well-to-do Roman guy who's now a follower of Jesus, he teams up with a guy named Epaphras, and they start a church together. So Philemon is, in essence, he's a pastor. He has his own church. And in the midst of being a pastor, one of the odd things that we come to find is that Philemon has slaves. Which I know for us, that might seem like a really strong disconnect. Like, how does that work? Well, what I want us to understand is, I'm going to say something that, that, that Josiah said last week. We have to understand that slavery was different then than it is now. You know, when we think of slavery, we have it within our context, the things that we see on TV, the things that are on the news that are talked about so much. When we think of slavery, we think about people coming on ships. Think, I mean, that was a story of my ancestors. They came over on ships. And so we get that, and we think that that's what slavery is, but it wasn't that alone back in the day. Somebody wrote this, and I think it's worthwhile to read again, that people often sold themselves as slaves when they could not pay their debts or provide for their families. Some people actually chose to be slaves so as to have all of their needs provided for by their masters. And so there's so many reasons why a person would be called a slave during that time. It's not just what we think of today. It's within that context that one of Philemon's slaves was named Onesimus. And Onesimus ended up doing something wrong. He ended up taking something, doing something to Philemon, and he didn't want to get caught for it, so he, Onesimus takes off. And somewhere along the way, Onesimus comes to follow Jesus. And he makes his way to find Paul, who is on house arrest in prison in Rome. And so Onesimus, he's hanging out with Paul. They're enjoying their time. Onesimus is helping take care of Paul's needs, making sure he's taken care of. And somewhere along the way, Paul says, you know what? Onesimus, you need to go back and make things right with Philemon, your master. You got to take care of this. And so Paul writes a letter to give to Onesimus to take to Philemon. And that's the book of Philemon is really just a chapter. It's a letter that Paul wrote to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And in it, what we see is the very thing that Josiah talked about last week, that he starts off with this idea saying, hey, I want to let you know I love you. Paul says, I love you, Philemon. I, I, I want you to know you guys are amazing. You're awesome. And then after he starts the letter in this way, he, he pivots to, to make a really big ask of Philemon. He's saying, I want you to take this guy back. I want you to take Onesimus back. And after he makes this request, Paul does something so subtle and yet so profound that if I just read it and kept going, we would miss it. But I, I want us to slow down and just check out what he says. In verse 15, it's coming up on the screen. In verse 15, Paul says this, perhaps the reason, he says perhaps. Now, would you just say perhaps? Perhaps. And we just try that again. 
the word perhaps. Let's say perhaps. Perhaps. It's a really subtle but significant word. Paul is asking Philemon to bring back and accept Onesimus. And he goes on to say this to Philemon. He says, perhaps the reason he, speaking of Onesimus, was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, a dear brother in the Lord. Do you see what Paul does there? It's so subtle that we can miss it. But Paul does something very profound here. He says, perhaps. Yeah, I'm asking you to take him back, but, but what if God is up to something? Like, could it be that something else is going on beyond the surface? What if all of this was for a reason? You see, in this simple verse, Paul does something so simple but profound and that he helps bring a godly perspective to a situation that would otherwise seem unthinkable for Philemon to do. Philemon was a Roman citizen. Roman citizens don't take back their slaves. Philemon was a Roman citizen. Roman citizens don't make, not just take back their slave, but he's asking him to be a brother in the Lord. Are you kidding me? After what he did? Let me ask you, if you were Philemon, how would you respond? Here is Onesimus handing you a letter saying, take this guy back. What would you do? That's heavy stuff. Maybe it's a better question to ask, what have you done? Because I venture to say we've all been wronged, haven't we? We've all been wronged at some point. And my question to you is, what did you do when you were wronged in that moment? How did you respond? What was your response? What was the way that you engaged it? You see, there's Paul's words in the midst of all of this. Even in the midst of being wrong, perhaps, perhaps God See, the simple but profound thing that Paul does here is that Paul helps Philemon consider that God may be up to something bigger, something that Philemon wouldn't have been able to see on his own. And we need those kind of people to speak something over us, don't we? You know, I recall being, um, I was first an, an intern here, uh, leading our internship here at, at, at Gateway, and, and eventually I took over um, as youth pastor and that was one of the most difficult things that I did in my life. Because at that time, and taking that over, for the longest time, I was one of the youth leaders. And I had peers that were all around me that were also youth leaders. But as I took that position, those youth leaders, as my peers, took off to different places, started different ministries, went to other places. And Scripture lets us know that when you strike the shepherd, the sheep scatter. And so all the students that were apart and connected to those leaders went to different places as well. And as a person who was trying to, to hold on to, to get ministry started, to move ministry in a, different, in a certain way, I'm just watching the shrapnel of students going all over the place, and I can't keep them. Those are discouraging times. And I call one point, just feeling like I'm, I just did not know where to go. I feel like I'm at the end of this whole thing, not, not sure about myself, 
uh, I called up a guy and I met him for coffee. And as we were sitting down, I was telling him the same thing that I was telling you, like, this is hard. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be trying to help these students, but they're going to other places and they feel like, how, how do I even move forward? And I said these words specifically to him. I said, you know what? I don't know that I can fill the shoes of this guy that was before me. Those are big shoes to fill. And he said something to me that was so life-changing. He said, Mario, what if those aren't your shoes to fill? Like, what if God gave you your own shoes to fill? You see, perhaps he created you for a time as this to be you in the circumstances that you're in because the students need you to be you. Huh. That changed my life. That changed the trajectory of the way that I stepped into ministry as a result of it. It was a game changer. You see, we all have moments that we struggle with discouragement, where somebody has done something wrong to us, where we've been wrong for things that we didn't even do. How much of a difference does it make when somebody comes along and puts your discouragement, puts your hurt, puts your wrong in a place where you come to recognize that there's a different perspective to what's going on? How much of a game changer is it when somebody brings perspective so that you're able to see the opportunity in the midst of the brokenness? that might be taking place in your world. And then maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're here and your marriage is struggling right now. Maybe you're here and you have friendships that are struggling and broken right now. Maybe you're in a place where you're struggling with your job situation or a lack of a job situation. Maybe you're here and you're fighting those addictions you've been fighting over and simply come over and over and over again and you're fighting them. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with the sense of just feeling alone. None of those circumstances are things that we enjoy feeling. But perhaps, perhaps there's an opportunity in the midst of the brokenness you're experiencing right now. Perhaps God's not done with your story yet. Perhaps God is still writing something and you are in the middle of a story that God has yet to finish. Perhaps God's calling on your life in the midst of the struggle that's going on is for you to continue to hold on and to love Him in the midst of all that's going on and watch what He does as you hold on to Him. You see, Paul understood that there was a need for this perspective to be brought in the people's circumstances and situations. He said the same thing not only to Onesimus, but he said something of the same flavor to the people of Rome. They found themselves in a spot where they were trying to figure out how do we live out this life. And he says something to them that is said so often that it becomes cliche, but I want to say it fresh and anew for us this morning. Maybe some of you need to hear this. In Romans, Paul writes these words of the people of Rome. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. You see, we can keep our heads up because God's working it out. There's an opportunity in the midst of the broken situation that you might find yourself in. I don't know about you, but sometimes there's just a need for somebody to speak that into your life. And if that's you, may you receive it this morning. And as you receive it, 
as you allow that to sink in, that there is indeed, as Tom spoke about earlier, there's indeed a God who loves us, a God who knows us, as that starts to take root, the calling of God is not for us just for us to hold on to this for ourselves, but there's a calling for that to come out and it to be brought into other relationships that we find ourselves in. We're never meant to hold it just for ourselves. And that's why I love this guy so much. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, baby. I mean, did you think I was going to go a year without talking about Lord of the Rings? I mean, come on. Come on. There's a moment in which this guy, his, his future father-in-law comes to him and says, I bring hope to men. And his response is, I keep none of it for myself. I keep none of it. Every opportunity, every chance that I get. And I love this guy so much because he just goes all in every time, knowing that there's always a way to work it out. I love it so much. And I just tell you, I mean, if, if you're here, I'm just like, hey, hey, come to know Jesus, accept him as Lord, read your Bible, pray, watch Lord of the Rings. It'll, cha- it'll just change. I'm just telling you, like, it'll change you. <laughs> it'll change you. Not like getting a group. And then watch Lord of the Rings. Okay, do it that way. I got to talk about groups. I'm the group's pastor. I'm just telling you, there's something about that that's just huge when we offer, offer people of hope. I mean, what if there are people in our lives that need us to bring that perspective to their circumstance and situation? I mean, it's been something that's done over and over again. Maybe it's not as big as, as jumping in and fighting orcs, but maybe it's helping somebody see, hey, maybe God is doing something. We get to bring perspective to their world. See, that's what happened for a little boy one time. See, he, this little boy, he lived in the temple. And as he was living there, there was the head guy of the temple. And the head guy, his name was Eli. And one night, the little boy, his name was Samuel, had fallen asleep. And in this time, God wasn't speaking all that much. Samuel gets up in the middle of the night because he heard somebody say, Samuel. And so he gets up and he goes running to Eli, the head leader of the, of the temple. And he says, hey, I'm here. What's up? Eli looks at him and is like, uh, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. <laughs> How many parents know that one, right? So <laughs> he, he, he goes back to bed and he lays down. All of a sudden, Samuel hears the voice again, Samuel. And so Samuel gets up and he goes to Eli. He says, I'm here. What did you want? Did you, did you call me? Samuel says, no. Go back to bed. Well, this happens three times. And on the third time, when Samuel gets up and goes to Eli, Scripture lets us know this. In verse 8, it says, then Eli realized it was the Lord who was speaking to the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed. And when he did, a voice called again, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel woke up and he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God started to speak to Samuel in ways that absolutely changed the complete trajectory of what was going to happen in Israel. You see, the story is primarily about Samuel, this little boy. In fact, the book that I'm telling the story from is called the book of Samuel. But, but we have to ask the question, what if there was no Eli? 
Samuel's story is great, but what happens if there's no Eli in Samuel's life to help translate and help him understand that God is speaking to him in that moment? What happens to Samuel's story? A question that we have to ask ourselves is what's going to happen to the people all around us that God is speaking to today, right now? God is speaking to people. Do you know that? He is speaking to people. He is calling people. He is drawing people to themselves, but they can't understand his voice. They need an Eli. They need you if you have the Spirit of God within you. To be the person that comes along and says, hey, maybe, perhaps, the thing that's going on, God's up to something in your life. You see, this is the genius of what Paul did when he was speaking to Philemon. He doesn't come in and say, he doesn't come in high and mighty and say, hey, thus saith the Lord, this is what was going on in this moment. He doesn't come in as like he needed to be a prophet, but he simply has this understanding of the nature and character of God. He understands that God wants to heal. He understands that God wants to restore. And so with heavenly wisdom, with godly wisdom and understanding, he takes a moment just to say, perhaps God might be up to something. And so I wonder for you, do you know the nature and character of God enough that you can wonder aloud with people who need to hear his voice? If not, I would encourage you to do what it takes to start to know the character and nature of God. We talk about reading our Bibles to do that. We talk about taking time in prayer to hear his voice. We talk about being in community with one another so that we can come to understand in community what it is that God might be speaking. The world needs you to be a person of hope. I had a buddy, his name is Lance, and he would drive me nuts sometimes. There'd be times we're going to go look for a place to have our summer camp, and we would go, and we're driving down, and we would be like the car that doesn't get on the ferry, and I'm just like, like I wanted to catch this. I wanted to be able to go and get where I'm going, and Lance would just be calmly sitting in the seat beside me, and he'd say, "Eh, what might God be up to in this? I'm like, dude, I want to punch you with the holiness of God right now. But, but he had this way of every circumstance we found ourselves in. He would ask that question. Could God be up to something else? Could God want to do something else different as a result of the situation? And for some of us, I just wonder what might it be like for us if we choose to walk with that kind of perspective, that kind of eye, every circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in, the people that we come up, come up next to, our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones, and say, hey, could God be up to something in this? How would that change the world that's around us? I want to give you a hint here. Nobody else is going to do it. Only the people of God, only you have that ability to do that. And so let's be the people of God. Let's step into people's circumstances. If you don't hear anything else this morning, the calling is this, that you would let God use you to help others see something bigger than they can see by themselves. Like, what if we chose to trust that whatever situation we found ourselves in, God's going to work it out? What if we took it upon ourselves to wonder aloud what God is up to? Have you ever considered... 
Who has God placed in your life? Who might be God placing in your life that you have the opportunity, the privilege to help them see a bigger picture? We're going to receive the communion elements in just a moment, so you can go ahead and start to prepare them. These are always a little bit of a chore. But I want you to hear that this is the very thing that Jesus did on that night with his disciples. You see, on that evening, those disciples, they had an idea about what was going to take place. They wanted a kingdom. They had been the, the guys who had been oppressed, and they were ready for the kingdom of God to enter in and to restore Israel, and they would be the guys that would be in power and control finally. I get that. And yet, Jesus helps them to see a bigger picture. He says, I know that you want to do this Israel thing. I know you want to make that kingdom be the thing that you're about, but you need to understand I'm bringing in a kingdom that's so much bigger than the kingdom that you think you see. The kingdom that I'm bringing in is so much larger. It's bigger than Israel. It's bigger than any nation. It's bigger than anything that's ever going to come to pass. And it starts with me dying. That's how it's going to be ushered in. My body needs to be broken. My blood needs to be poured out. My spirit needs to be placed in you so that you can help others know. So that would be, they get to be a part of this kingdom as well. That's how this is going to work. He changed their perspective. He helped them to see what God is up to. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for those of us who are in the middle right now. I want to pray for those of us who are just in a spot where God might be bringing people in our lives and we need to listen and offer a word. I'm going to pray for those of us in this place, maybe online, that don't know Jesus. That maybe this moment you're hearing a God that pursues you, that knows you, that loves you, that wants a relationship with you. And maybe this is your moment to say yes to him. So across this room, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do indeed come before you this morning thanking you that you speak, that you are calling people to yourself. Oh, is an amazing thing. And I thank you, Lord, this morning. We thank you that you help us to see that we're not alone in the mess that we're in that we don't have to go through life alone, that if, if, even if there's not a human around us, you are with us always. That you are at work behind the scenes, that you're working something out. Today, Lord, for those that need to hear that, we choose to trust you with that. And God, I pray for my friends that are here this morning that need to grow in knowing you and the character of you and the nature of you. Help us, Lord, as we find ourselves moving towards being in your word more and more. Open up our eyes to understand who you are. And then grant us the courage to speak out your perspective on every circumstance and situation. Lord, I pray a bold prayer for all of us that you would open up our eyes to the people that are in our lives that we might get to be an Eli too to help them to hear your voice, that they would say yes to you. And that even now, Lord, there are some that are hearing you calling them right here, right now, and wanting to say yes to you. And if that's you, 
there's no magical prayer. It's simply just joining me in a simple way as opening up your heart to him. And maybe these can be your words that you borrow. And say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Today, I choose you, your kingdom, and your perspective. I join your family. And today, for the first time maybe even, as I receive these elements, I do it remembering who you are, thanking you for your death that I get a chance to live. And so family, on that evening, Jesus got together with those disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take and eat together. In the same way, he took the cup. My blood poured out. Let's drink. As a faith community, Lord, as we eat and drink, we remember you. And as we receive your hope fresh and anew, we don't hold on to it for ourselves. Help us to be a people that offer that perspective to a world that so desperately needs. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.